Okay, the, Old, the New Testament, right? Let's have a little review. We haven't done this for a few weeks. Let's see if you remember any of this. How many books in the New Testament? You can read really well. Five twenty-one one. That's sort of like the Old Testament. Anybody remember the Old Testament numbers? Five twelve, five five twelve. So it's kind of like that. It's five. You turn the twelve around, you have five twenty-one one. Okay. So the five stands for what? Let's see if this works. History. There you go. And then twenty-one is letters, right? Letters that were written. And the one is. Prophecy, right, the book of Revelation, the only prophet, prophetic book in the New Testament, although, of course, the New Testament is full of prophetic passages, we know that, but the book of Revelation. Uh, this first section is the book, the, the section of history. Can anybody tell me what those are? Do you, have you memorized the first five books of the New Testament? should be pretty easy. It's, that's kind of like still... Fairly known, fairly popular. Okay, so let's hear it. Okay, I think you got it right. Yeah, look at that. Okay, now now we start getting into the letters. It's not quite so easy, so I've got the first section here again, and uh, we, we break it up, three groups of five, and it goes like this, five plus one, five plus two, and five plus three. And the reason we do that, because some of the books are doubled, right? First and second, right? And in fact, in the last section, it's first, second, and third, right? But to make it easy, you really only need to know one name, right? Okay? So this first section, we're still, we're still kind of stuck on that for a while. Uh, this first section, the, the code name or the code letters are what? R.C. Gep. R.C. Gep. Say that with me. R.C. Gep. And what does that stand for? Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. There you go. You got R.C. Gep. You got the first. So now you got the first, really, 11 books of the New Testament. There's only 27, so you got 11 down already, right? Can you, can you say amen to that? Amen. Okay, we're going to at least, at least have an idea of the, the names of the books of the New Testament. We've got to at least have that. If you're going like, wow, I've never heard of Ephesians or Philippians, what, you know, something is wrong. We're not quite doing our job here to figure out what this book is that we have in front of us. The Gospel of John, the reason it was written is this, that you may believe, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing you may have life in His name. That's why... The book of John was written. That's what the underpinning of this whole book and this whole gospel is about. So, now last time we looked at the first followers, and we, we talked about this, and we're kind of continuing this idea of following Jesus today. And we sang some more songs about it. We sang a song we sang last week about it, because it's to get this idea of what are we talking about here, following Jesus, right? And, and John the Baptist said, you look, he said, look, the Lamb of God. And, and then what happened was two of his followers, what did they do? They left him and went and followed Jesus. And John said, oh, man, there goes my congregation. You know, they left me to follow him. Did he say that? No. He says, wow, this is what's supposed to happen. 
to point people to Jesus. And, and Jesus said to them, you know, what is it that you want? In, in other words, why are you following me? And I think this is, I want to continue this idea, this thought, as we look at the, the last section of this chapter uh, one of, Justin, uh, of John's gospel. Why are you following me? Why would we follow someone? And specifically, why would we follow this person named Jesus? That's an important question to ask. You just don't follow people blindly, do you? You don't just follow people with no reason whatsoever. You, ha you follow people for a reason. You follow things. You follow, you know, causes. You follow all kinds of different things in this world and life for a reason. So why would you want to follow Jesus? Really, I came up with a very short list, and I'm going to put it up on the screen for you now. This is a kind of a short list of, of why we would follow Jesus. And, and in the Gospel of John, I think these things keep coming out over and over and over again. Number one is that because he is God. Because he is God. Because he is worthy. Is he worthy to be followed? Yes, he is. Why? Because he is God. The second thing is because he's good. He's good. There's a lot of things in life that we follow that are not so good. Isn't that true? But he is good. Thirdly, he knows the way, and really tied to that is because he is the way. He knows the way. He knows the way ahead. He knows the future. He knows what lies ahead of this life. And so we can, we can follow him. That passage where he talks about being the way, he said... He's speaking about, you know, in my father's house, there are many rooms, many mansions, some translations say, and I go to prepare a place for you. So we can follow him because he knows the way. That's why we sang that song that, that uh, a, good, a good friend, uh, Billy Maha, wrote, you know, so many years ago. I'm going to follow Jesus all the way home to heaven. He knows where he's going. He knows where we are going when we follow him. Next, he's Savior. He's Savior. He's the Savior of the world. There are a lot of false saviors, I think. People are following a lot of false things. But he is the true Savior. He is Lord. And that, that word Lord means one who has authority, one who is in charge, one who we can trust because he can make the right decisions. He's the good shepherd. And lastly, he gave his life for us. He gave his life for us. Now, last week we talked about some of the costs involved in following Jesus. There is a cost, isn't there? Is there a cost? There is a cost of following Jesus. But, but the truth is, and, and, uh, and John pointed this out, our friend Big John, I call him, that the payoff is eternal. There is a cost, but the payoff is way, way bigger than the, uh, the payoff is way bigger than the cost. The payoff is eternal. Now, as we follow Jesus, I find if we're truly following him, he changes us. He's changing us. He's working in us. Peter was changed. In fact, he gave Peter a new name, didn't he? So the question I'm going to ask again that, that I asked last time is, who, who or what are we following? Who or what are you following? Who or what am I following? Are you, you, the truth is, you know, I remember Bob Dylan wrote this song, you know, you got to serve somebody. 
In other words, you're going to serve, you're going to follow somebody. You, you may not think, well, I'm not following anybody or anything. Well, yes, you are. You're following somebody or something. Maybe it's a false notion that you're not, but you're following something. Each of us are. Let's look at John chapter 1, verse 43. We'll pick it up where we left off here. It says, the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. And finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. He said to him, follow me. Now that, that, that's kind of what really, I, I've been thinking about those words for the last couple of weeks. What does that mean? Follow me, he said. He said those very simple words. But is it simple? But I, I want to ask the question, what, what, what does it mean? Okay, we, we saw, we looked at the, the question of why would we want to follow him, but what does that actually look like? What does it mean? What do you think? Let me hear your answers. What does it mean to follow Jesus? Anybody brave enough to speak out? I'm on. Accepting him, following his vows. Okay, what else? Any, somebody had their hand up over here. To be like him. To be like him. Okay, yeah. Okay, your life and go. Obey. Obey, obedience, yeah. I think we have some of these ideas. Did you raise your hand or are you just scratching your head? Okay. Do you have an idea? or? Okay. Some of us don't have an idea. Pardon? Believe, that's part of it, yeah. That's the first step in following him and believing him. You know, it's this idea, you know, what does it really look like? You know, the, the literal word found here for follow, I looked it up. Guess where I looked it up? Blue letter Bible, you are amazing. BLB. I looked it up and the word literally means to walk the same road. Walk the same road with me. To follow means to walk the same road, and, and, and another uh, uh, defined it like this, to follow one who goes ahead, to cleave or to cling steadfastly to one, conform wholly to his example in living, and if need be, in dying also. Oh, I don't want to hear that last part, but I want to hear the first part, right? But, but it's just like, I'm going to follow you, I'm going to follow you no matter where you go, no matter what it is that, that you want me to do as I follow you personally for what it means for me to follow you. See, it may be a, a different sort of path that he takes me down than he's going to take you down. But am I going to follow him for what he has for me? We talked about that last time. Go where he goes. Just to be with him. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to, I want to be with you no matter where you go. Now, obviously, Jesus was there physically, so they could physically follow him in his, you know, follow in his footsteps. We use that, you know, that poem in the footsteps. You, you can follow right, you know, well, there he is. I can, I see his footsteps and that. So we don't physically see him, but is he here with us today? Yeah, he is. So we need to be, you know, more in tune with, with what it is that he has for us. And how do we do that? 
I think number one is we need to be in the Word of God. We need to open up the Bible and see what, he, see what his values are. Someone mentioned his values. To see what he does, what, how he lived. If we're going to be like him, what was he like? It says in, in John chapter 8, you know, if you really are my, my disciple, if you truly are my disciples, you'll, you know, you abide in my word. And then he said the truth will what? Set you free. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. But this idea about if you truly are a disciple you, and you want to know, well, what, what, what is he telling me? How is he leading? How do I follow him when he knows what the Bible says? It's fairly simple. Does he speak in other ways? Of course he does. He can speak by his spirit. He can speak, you know, through circumstances. He can speak through other people. Lots of different ways. We've talked about how God speaks, how Jesus can, can, can show us a way to follow him. But I think one of the things that we have that protects us is, is the word of God so that, we, so that we know, well, yeah. And somebody tells us, well, I think Jesus is telling you to follow him off that cliff over there. And you say, well, no, hey, wait a minute. He's not, that's not uh, biblical. That's not true. That's not what the Bible says. You have some sort of checks and balances. What does it mean? What does it mean to follow him? You know, the Old Testament, again, they had, they had some pretty... pretty uh, dynamic, physical things to follow. The people of Israel, right, they had, they had the pillar of cloud up in the sky, right? And, and the pillar of cloud would be up there, and, and, it was, and if it moved, they moved, right? And during the daytime, they had the pillar of cloud. What did they have at, at nighttime? They had a pillar of fire. That, that pillar of cloud was all lit up by fire. So if it moved, whether it was day or night, they could follow and they had to follow it. So, so you and I necessarily don't have that, but he's still leading us today. And he still wants us to follow him. He wants you to follow him. I think the question is, do we trust him enough to ask him, well, you know, where are you going? Where do you want me to follow you? How do I follow you? How do I, Rich Chapman, follow you? You know, throughout the day, uh, you know, when big decisions come up, even small decisions sometimes where you say, well, Lord, what is it that you want? I want to follow you in this thing, in this situation. Are you really serious enough to do that? Or is it, uh, you know, I'm going to follow you to church on Sunday and that's about it. Ooh. Making a face. I'm just going to follow you on Sunday, and that's all I'm going to follow. I'm going to follow you. I might follow along with some of the songs they put up on the screen. Is that what he wants? I think he wants us full-time. Full-time followers. Not part-time followers. I'm afraid that's what, that's what I read. Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, it says he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. Like I said, that's the payoff. You see, well, i got to give up everything to follow Jesus? Is that true? Yeah, you do. But the truth of it is that he gives you everything back. He gives you a brand new life. He gives you a, a hope and a future that you never had before. So... So, 
following Jesus is like the only answer, the only way, the only hope that we have. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Jesus, Jesus you know, he, he taught an awful lot, and I think even the people who don't believe in Jesus would say he's like an incredible teacher, right? Well, they can agree on that because they look at some of the words that, that are attributed to him and they say he was an incredible teacher, yes. But some of the times he just said these simple words, follow me. It's just, you know, he, he's direct and to the point. And the, and the tense of that verb, if you look that up in the... Blue, blue letter Bible, you see the tense is present, active, imperative. Okay? Say, well, what in the world does all that mean? I, I went to English. I took English like, you know, 40 years ago. <laughs> present, tent, me, present tense means now. Active means active. It means something that I actively do. The other side of it is passive, where something is done for me or to me. An imperative means it's, it's not like a request. It's not like, well, if you want to. Well, if you, if you feel like it today... It's imperative. Follow me. He said, this is the only way. This is the only hope for life, for you, for me, for anyone. Follow me today. And the idea in the, in the Greek language about the present active is that it's an ongoing thing. Right? In other words, it would be better translated, keep following me. Following, follow me and keep following me. Is that right? Any of you Greek scholars out there? Is that true? Just all go like this and I'll pretend like you all Greek scholars and all that. Keep following me. It isn't just to follow him to make that decision, to believe. It's a, it's a life. It's a, it's a lifetime decision to follow. It's a daily decision to follow. I'm going to follow you today. I want to follow you today, now, here. I want to follow you tomorrow. Notice it says there that Jesus found Philip. I, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? We use that language, you know, I, I found Jesus. But it says here that Jesus found him. And he said to him, follow me. Look at verse 44. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. And Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law. And about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Isn't that interesting? We see Jesus found Philip, then Philip went and found Nathanael, and, and he told Nathanael, we have found the one. But it says here that Jesus found Philip, but Philip said, we found. Isn't it interesting? See, both are true. But there's a process that takes place, and it's all different. And as, as I said last week, for every one of us, some of us, you know, we, we had this direct this direct uh, confrontation or this de- direct uh, thing happened between us and Jesus. In other cases, somebody came along and said, I want to tell you about somebody, and his name is Jesus. But then when we understand, when we believe, it's like, wow. It's like the lights come on, and, and we, we say, we get this impression like, we found the truth. I found the truth. Well, the truth is the truth found you first, right? 
But there's something about telling people. I, I don't know, you know, Philip and Andrew and Peter, they were from this town, Bethsaida, which kind of has some kind of a, a connection to fishing, the title does. And, and did they all know each other? Was it, you know, like their circle of friends or whatever, Nathaniel being part of that? I don't know. I remember hearing uh, a friend uh, say one time, you know, he, he, he went off to another town, and, and, but God called him to go back and, and to witness and share with the people that he grew up with. And, and God had used, God used him. He went back and did that, and God used him in that way. And, and some of those people also found Jesus. We have found the one. Not one of the many, but the one. Notice it says Jesus of Nazareth, and, 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 and then he says son of Joseph. It's kind of interesting. We have these different designations, right, in the scripture. And this is a, you know, just a, an interesting maybe side note as well is that uh, he's called Jesus of Nazareth, right? But he was born where? He was born in Bethlehem. The prophecies, and he's talking about prophecies in this verse. The prophecies was that he would, that he would come out of Bethlehem. But he was, and he was born in Bethlehem, but he was raised in Nazareth. That's why he was known as Jesus of Nazareth. He was raised there. Notice it says here that he was the son of Joseph. Now, we've already talked about this over and over and over again, is that who is he the son of? He's the son of God, right? But didn't Joseph also, in a sense, adopt him? He did. So he was the son of Joseph, too. Pretty interesting, this one that we're talking about, the Son of God, Jesus of Nazareth, Son of Joseph, but also that Messiah that came to Bethlehem that was prophesied, the Son of God coming to earth, Emmanuel, God with us. Look at verse, verse 46, Nazareth, this is what Nathaniel says, Nazareth. Can anything good come from there? Now, Nazareth was not a very highly regarded place. Like, Nazareth, you got to be kidding me. You know, it's like saying, you know, Providence. <laughs> well, I always say Claremont because I, I, I grew up in, in Claremont, which is, a, is like a neighborhood of San Diego, and, and like, can anything good come out of Claremont? Are you kidding? <laughs> Nazareth. So that, that, tells, that tells us one thing about Nathaniel, that, that he was a little bit skeptical, right? He was thinking about this. Like, the prophecies, again, the prophecies were about Bethlehem. But he's Jesus of Nazareth, and his friend tell him, Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, can anything good from, come from there? He's kind of skeptical, like, I really don't, you know, I don't know what you're talking about, bro. And, you know, he was skeptical, but, but look what Philip did in the next section, the next passage there. It says there, come and see, said Philip. Come and see, said Philip. Notice he didn't argue with him. 
He didn't try to, you know, twist, you know, his arm to do anything. He said, listen, come and see. I'm I'm telling you that Jesus changed my life. And, you know, you may be skeptical. Maybe some of you here are still skeptical. Like, who do you think Jesus is that that I have to give my life and follow him? Well, why don't you come and see? I like that Psalm 34 that I have on the screen. It says, taste and see. That the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Do you want to at least give him a chance? That's what he said to Nathaniel. Come and see, Philip said. Come and see for yourself. One one commentator pointed this out. He, He didn't say, well, why don't you go and see? He said, come and see. In other words, come with me. I'll take you with me. Verse 47, when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, so what did he do? He went to see, right? He was skeptical, but at least he was going to go check it out. Listen, uh, you know, Philip, whatever Philip's connection was to Nathanael, he, 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 you know, he had some kind of relationship with him, and for him to tell him, well, come and see. He said, well, at least I can do is go check it out. The least you and I can do is check out Jesus, right? That's, that's what I remember the most at that point in time. You know, I knew that I was lost. I knew that I had no hope. I, I had tried all kinds of other stuff and, and you know, ended up, you know, in a, in a not a very good place. But I, I said to myself, what have I got to lose? Right? What have I got to lose? You know, if, and I said this to God, you know, and, and uh, you know, I was pretty smart back then. I said, if you really are who they say you are, then prove yourself to me. Like, who am I to be telling the creator of the universe something like that? But guess what? He did. I, I was just willing to give him a chance in my life and, and let him in and see what, see what might happen. And you know what? I, I, I did, and the next day, you know, lights didn't all come off like crazy in my head, but, but I knew something was different from that very next morning. There was something going on inside of me. Something changed. Something happened. And, and the more I learned, the more I knew that this was what the Bible calls being born again and this, this, this knowing that something that God had come, come into your life, this knowingness. Come and see. And Philip, he said, okay. What did Jesus say to Philip? Or he said out loud, he said, of him. We don't know who he's exactly speaking. Well, he's speaking to Nathaniel at that point. He says, here is a true Israelite. In whom there is nothing false. Nathaniel asked him, how do you know me? So Jesus already knew all about this guy. He knew kind of his character. He knew about him. He said that he was a true Israelite, which kind of tells me that there were some false Israelites, right? There are people who pretended to be, and a lot of the religious leaders, they were pretending to be true Israelites and true followers of of Yahweh, but they really weren't. It's, it's no use being a fake follower, right? Because Jesus knows about it anyway. No use, no point in it. But he knew. He knew this, 
guy, Nathaniel, was a true Israelite. He knew that there was nothing false in him. He wasn't a guy who, you know, who was dishonest. He was kind of sincere. He knew this about him. When Nathaniel hears that and he goes like, how do you know me? Like, you know, what do you know about me? And Jesus answered, he said, I saw you. While you were still under the fig tree. Before Philip called you. Now, Jesus wasn't there physically, right? But he saw him there. He saw him. He knew him. And before Philip even got there. Now, some have speculated what was Philip doing under that fig tree. There are a few verses that talk about it being kind of like a sheltered place under a fig tree where they would go to be alone and to perhaps pray. We don't really know what Philip was doing there. Maybe he was praying. Maybe he was saying, I I need to know, you know, I need some hope in my life. I need help in my life. We don't know what he was doing under that fig tree that day. But Jesus saw him there. So it, it, it may not be out of the realm of possibility that he was praying and Jesus heard him. I think he hears us. I think he hears every prayer we pray. Now, how can we get our minds wrapped around that, that that he hears everyone's prayers all at the same time? I can't figure that one out. I don't need to. I just need to know he hears my prayers, right? That's all that matters to me, right? Jesus saw him and he knew him. Jesus knew him before Philip ever even got to him. And he knows you and I. He he, he knows you and I before we ever know him. Who we are. He knows where we are. He knows what we're like. He knows what we're made of. What we think about. He knows what you're thinking right now. Ooh, I hope you don't know, Pastor. Because I was thinking about that football game later today. I was thinking about that potluck. I was thinking about uh, my car that's broken down. I was thinking about... He knows what you're thinking right now. He knows every one of you inside out. Why? Because he's God. Because he is God. Jesus told those simple words to Nathaniel. Look what his response is, verse 49. Then Nathaniel declared. He declared. Something happened in this guy Nathaniel at this point, right? He said, Rabbi, or teacher, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. This guy, he, he, you know, it's like, it's like Jesus just opened his heart like at that moment in time, and he says, okay, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. That's, that's insane, isn't it? Say, well... Didn't he need to like go to Bible school? Didn't he need to go through confirmation classes? Didn't he need to do all this stuff before he could actually have a relationship with Jesus Christ? No, it was just that simple. It was just that instantaneous. It was just that radical. You are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Why are we going to follow him? Because he is the King. Because he is the Son of God and he is my God. My king. I, I was, I've been looking at Psalm 84 and trying to put some music to some of the verses in there. And this like verse is like sticks out. Oh, Lord, 
Almighty, my King and my God. Psalm writer cries that out. O Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Verse 50, Jesus said, you believe. You believe. See, this is a statement of faith, this declaration of faith. You believe. He says, you believe, why? Because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. In other words, this is just the beginning. You believe because that, like, that's like nothing. That he knew him, that he saw him there, that he knew about him. He knew what kind of a person he was. He knew all about him. That's like nothing. What does he have planned for you and me when we turn to him is incredible. If I look back over the 42 years that I've been following Jesus, I have, my life has been completely full. And before that, I had, I had no hope of anything happening. Believe me, I didn't think I was going to be alive. And for 42 years, I mean, I, I've got to go to different countries around the world. I've got to be involved in, in people's lives in, in, in ways that I never would have imagined in, in my wildest imaginations. Finally, verse 51, he gives them a little bit of a picture of like stuff in the future, you might say. He says, he then added, I tell you the truth. You shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. That's some prophetic stuff there too. But I want to bring out one point about this. Is, is he says that this is all taking place on the Son of Man. Now, who is the Son of Man? Who is the Son of Man? Jesus. He's, he's called the Son of God. He's called the Son of Joseph. And now here he's calling himself the Son of Man. In fact, that's the, his favorite term for himself was the Son of Man. And what does that mean? It, it means he was the Son of God, but he was also the Son of Man. He was fully God, but he was also fully human. Because for him to die for our sins, there's no way that... He couldn't be fully human to, to pay the price for man. He was both. But notice this. It says that the angels of God were ascending and descending on the Son of Man. You see, I think this tells us that Jesus is the bridge between God and man. That he's the bridge between heaven and earth. And I think that's true. I, I had to kind of think about this, you know, uh, one of the most popular songs of all time history is what? Stairway to Heaven, right? You could probably start singing it. Have you ever, go, have you ever gone, those of you that are hippies, have you ever gone back and like looked at the words for that? Like, yeah, what were you smoking? You know, like it makes no sense. It's like out of this World, yeah, it's out of this world. It makes no sense at all. Go back and look at it. Not right now. Some of you are going, yeah, I want to check that out. I'm writing notes. Yeah, sure you are. He says, I'm buying a stairway to heaven. I'm buying a stairway of heaven. Can you buy your way into heaven? No, you can't. 
not possible. There's only one way to get to heaven. It's Jesus. He's the only bridge. He's the only stairs. He, and, and, he's, and he gives us this picture of the angels, the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. It's all the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, who died for us. He is the way. He's the only way. There is no other way. He said it. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. There's no other way to get to heaven. There's no other way to get to the Father. Paul says it in 1 Timothy. He said, there is one God and one mediator or bridge in between God and men, and it's the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all men, the testimony given in its proper time. There's only one way, and his name is Jesus. And these are the words that Jesus gave to us. He said, follow me, the one who gave his life. Why? Because he is God. Because he is the way. He's our Savior. He's our Lord. He's a good shepherd. And he gave his life for us. And he says to you and he says to me, today, follow me. Will you follow me? Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your son Jesus to this earth. From heaven he came. Why? So that he could show us the way to heaven. So that he, he could show us the way to live so we could be that pillar of cloud and that pillar of fire. And he says to each one of us today, follow me. Will you follow me? Do you trust me enough to follow me? Do you care enough to follow me? <clears throat> Father, we're, we're only human. You know that you're... Your word says that we're just dust and you remember, you remember, you know that we're just dust and we have a hard time understanding. We have a hard time getting it sometimes. But Father, we come before you this morning, today, and we say, okay, I do want to follow you. I hear you. I hear your voice calling me to follow you. Show me the way. Show me the way. Help me. I surrender to you. I, I ask you, Lord, to be Lord, to be my Lord, to be my Savior. I might follow you today. All the way home. To heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand, get up together and sing one more time.